three, four, coming around, here we go. I got an example, I think I've told you guys this. I was in Afghanistan, Christmas day, full moon. We, I did LSD for the first time with a group of about 15 people. Uh, went, drove out to the mountains, walked up, started walking up, sat down, starting to come on. My first time, everybody else were all a bunch of acid heads. And all of a sudden I noticed uh, um, some Afghani men walking up the hill towards us. And the other people noticed it too. We all kind of just noticed these guys walking up the hill. I was just watching them, watching them. And then I turned around and everybody'd left me and gone up higher. So I was all alone sitting there on this rock and I was coming, I was getting buzzed for sure. And what I noticed is, is I could go, I, I, I could see, I could either freak or not freak. It was very simple, freak or don't freak. And so I said, okay, well, I'm not gonna freak then. So I ended up talking to them. I had a little Farsi, I told them it was Jesus Christ's birthday today and we were celebrating. And for these guys, because we're so uncouth, the Westerners are so bad. The idea that somebody has some, uh, you know, spiritual something or other, it was a miracle for them. Well, hug me, you know, oh, you know, it was just like, yeah, brother, you know. So I went walking up the hill to all these guys that were, that were scared. They were afraid, right? The, the emotions. Topple him, head him up. And I, you know, you guys, that was great, you guys. You really helped me through that, eh? <laughs> you know? But I, it, it, we, be, we come to those decision points. Am I going to handle it or am I going to freak? Kind of. That's, that's about it. Nowadays, it's more, uh, you don't come to them as much because people go, oh, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to do anything, right? You don't do stuff. You don't do those kind of things. But it really taught me that, yeah, you hang and see what you can do. The world changes. So are you saying, go, go, go ahead. So you're saying that mental toughness, I'm, I'm trying to, so the mental toughness you had, that is, can we say that you had mental, can we say that you had mental toughness in that moment because you were able to corral your emotional uprisings and and keep it more in a in a, another compartment of yourself, and make the decision to 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 do what you did. Would that be? Yeah, are we saying mental toughness can can corral or 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 the, well, the emotional me, life? For me, it's just a question of not trying to change what the thing is and what look at it. Just look at it. Be able to just look at it. Don't make it good, bad, ugly, da, da, da. I don't like those colors, blah, you know. Bomb, stop, check it out. Check it out. And that being able just to stop and check it out means you're looking at it, you're looking for smells, you're looking for everything about it that might give you information. And you move forward. As soon as the storm comes in, as soon as you're afraid, as soon as the storm comes in or angry or ups, you know, you're no good. You're no good. You're no good as anything, you know? And, and so it's, it's, I guess it's not really as much toughness. It's just the ability to, to, to uh, pause, put yourself on pause. And, and uh, you know, you don't have to make some kind of 
remarkable decision or acting portrayal at this time, you can pause, interrupt the, 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 the thing. And it was so cool because I, because I could speak a few words of, of, of Farsi and then Jesus Christ. Oh my God. It was just like, whoa, I was a hero all of a sudden, right? From this, this guy who's getting a little bit wrecked and, you know, and, and then at the end of the day, they took us in and one by one, we were walking down, straggling down the mountain, took us in one by one, two by, into this little cabin, gave us tea. Christmas dinner. It was like Christmas dinner. We sat in this room. Everybody was almost in tears. It was so sweet. So, so sweet. Oh, my dog's moaning here. She's heard this story. Eh? Well, well, you know what, what, what actually... What actually might have really happened is they might have stabbed you because you're a white guy and you're just lying there bleeding out and you're just dreaming the rest of your life and we're all just going to cease to exist in a few seconds. <laughs> Who knows, buddy? You're taking it to another spot for sure. Jimmy, Jimmy's, Jimmy's version of uh, occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's right, though. There is a, um, there is a, I remember being stuck in, in a pub in, in England. So uh, right in the center, I can't, Trafalgar or something or other. But uh, the pubs in England, like, they have, like, like there's, there's, a, there's bars and there's little rooms and sections and you go through this door and you go through that door and suddenly it's a different bar. It's almost like a different world. Anyway, I got into this room and there were these skinheads. They were huge. I can't remember if I told you this or not. Oh. Uh, they were huge. Like, I, you know, I was just looking for a washroom. And, and uh, anyway, we um, and then the skin, they does skinhead mean racist? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much racist. So I, I mean, I'm obviously uh, a target. I got a, I got a turban, and and so you know, they started to have some fun with me and started to tell me some really, really horribly racist jokes right and and this was this was a, right around uh, 1986 when the um live aid thing was coming up and um i, I didn't know what was gonna happen and uh, so then i told them an even more racist joke and then they laughed and then and then you know and then it was okay <laughs> So did I didn't you, did get... you break into We Are the World at that point? <laughs> since it was the eighties. <laughs> no, I didn't. But it, it sort of, oh, okay. It sort of, it sort of broke the because I thought I was going to get get killed or beaten up or murdered or anything. But then, uh, then, then uh, one of my friends who's a bodybuilder, he he comes into the into the bar. He's like, "Yeah, where you been? Where'd you go?" And uh, and then that was it. But uh, that's happened on, on another occasion as well. But, uh, you see, you paused. You paused and go, can I try this? Mm -hmm. Or should I run? Right? Mm -hmm. you, made, you, you made a kind of a, 
a, a thing where you're okay. I'm going to go for it. Try this. Well, well, running wasn't an option. These guys were huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean that's it. That you got through it. You you hit a hard place. You got through it. And and that's really what hardening off is. Is you hit a hard place. And do you have the capabilities? Well, when you have no choice, right? When you have no choice, it's life or death. It helps. It helps, you know, kick it up for sure. But you still have to, you have, you have to make a decision on some, in some way, you know, on pause and very short time period. You don't have long. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's it's a place where I've you I thought I was good before I'm not so good now I'm not so good now because I'm weaker I can't take aggression or violence or you know that stuff that that kind of stuff I I just I don't want I mean I can I can stand in front of it but I can't take it you know it because I can see it it robs you it robs you you know. Yeah. yeah, well, the, the aggression sort of hitting, hitting something inside of us, making us uh, resonate or vibrate in a certain way. And usually you're getting dragged into somebody else's thing, right? Mm -hmm. You're getting dragged into, or it feels like you're getting dragged into somebody else's thing. And if it doesn't feel like you're getting dragged in, then you have a little more freedom. But if you feel like, uh oh, I'm in, I can't do anything now. Right? Give, give me, a, give me a fake or real example of that. It's, it's. Um, I'm curious about what you're saying, Jimmy. Dragged in. What, what would you mean by that? Well, where you have a, several people, like Jaswan had several people that were attempting to drag him to be a victim. And uh, when there's more than one person, it's harder, right? It's a mob. It's like America is now. That mob thing in America is hard to harden off to. How do you walk up to that mob and harden off to that and handle that? That uh, I think know. I think the same way Jaswan just gave us an example about how he handled the skinheads. Maybe, maybe, you don't know. You don't know with people in mobs. You don't know. And maybe I'm still there. And yeah, yeah, you're also lying on the floor in this club with your teeth missing and, you know, yeah. choking on your blood. And you just think you're doing a podcast in your late 50s. Yeah. I, I, always, I always have to go back to, um, to Diablo. To, to the gaming. And it's also like the, the, the PLS, the past life survey that we do first. It's, and, it, and it brings up the observer. So first, you just observe where you are. What and do you it, see? What yeah, do what, you do see? You, what do you see? And, and, then, and then once you start making in 
inferences or start assuming stuff. What do you know? Yeah, well, maybe maybe that's that's where you have to pause after the observer because the observer might say, well, it's just just some guy talking, moving their mouth up up and down and and some vibrations are going into my ears without letting my emotion just fall into how dare he say that he's such a racist guy i'm going to teach him a lesson you know um it's 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 just that um some sort of invisible wall to stop the emotions from being tapped and uh, I know for me, for me, my wife can instantly tap my emotions because, you know, we grow, we've lived together for years and years and it's just, um, it's just that little thing and, and I'm off. And then I don't, then it's just all out war and I don't know what I'm saying or what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's 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 a it's a very important thing being able to. Ha I mean, I for me, it comes down to handling stuff. It, it's the same thing. What you're saying is you're observing it. You see what you know. You see what maybe, and and you you can do a like my son Sandy. It just made me so proud. He had to go and help cut a bunch of trees down around this lady's house that came down. He said he sat down for half an hour and just looked at it and goes, okay, if I cut that one, then that one goes, okay. So if I cut that one, and so he went through the whole thing and then he knew what he could do because he paused and sat down and figured it. Now he doesn't do that very often. So it was very remarkable for me, but that, that ability to, to hang, to hang in, difficult situations like for me doing the gaming because I hadn't done it at all and because I didn't know what I was doing just handling a computer was so much for me it was just way more than I could handle because I had learned so many different things and I didn't know if they were true or if it was me or whatever and, and I've never haven't been able to get over that right uh, and so I didn't harden off on gaming I, I, I fell away from it. I chickened out. I kind of, you know, chickened out, kind of, right? So uh, being, you know, you guys hung in there and you're doing it and, and it and it did notch you up a bit, right? I mean, you guys got a notch from being able to do that with those guys, you know? They put you through stuff, more stuff. <laughs> and and I don't, I don't do it because I chickened out, right? Or, you know. And uh, so life is a series of that kind of things. And I, I go like, okay, well, what should I handle? What should I just walk away from? You know, what should I try and, you know, stand in front of and let it bang me around and see what happens? Less now for me, because my brain, <laughs> my brain isn't so good, but, you know, my reactions, my body, machine, it's, uh, it's, 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 it doesn't, harden up as well as it used to may i wrap it back around to something jimmy said like whenever we started chatting 
Sure. Yeah, please. So, if we think about the experiences, whether it's a video game or gardening or meeting rough guys in a in a club, or or sitting on a mountain in Afghanistan dropping acid for the first time and sure. talking about Jesus with uh, in Farsi, no less, um, <laughs> some Afghani's. Um, so those experiences and many others, I'm sure, countless, forgotten countless experiences have, um, if we think of ourselves as metal, we'll go there for a moment, leave the plants alone, sorry, plants, and you're hardened up through the heat and the pounding process to, to be formed. Jimmy knows about this. He's done some iron work. And you form it. And so we're, you're formed. Jimmy, J Jimmy was formed by the mountain experience. Jazzy was formed by the club experience and so on and so forth. So we meet these, these, these situations. And they could be video games too because we were Jim, Jazzy and I were certainly rock and rolled and hardened up and, and smashed with a hammer in, in, in the, in, for many years playing video games. Good? Good. So what Jim said at the beginning, we come back. So there's a, there's a world that, we're, that may be leaving us, a kind of world that, that's, just, that's being replaced with this more digital world, and this more whatever. We know what we're talking about. Whoa, sorry. We don't need to put words on it. But, and Jimmy likes to harken back to archetypes and, 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 and confrontations and, and problem-solving with Mother Earth, which has shaped him in a particular way and hardened him up, really, in some really remarkable ways. So are we saying that given the circumstances that we both put ourselves in or happen to us, and how we work with those moments hardens us up. And I want to, here's where I'm going to weave in what Jimmy was saying in the beginning. So there is, I think Jim's right, there is a change going on because people aren't being hardened up or trained. Uh, going to the army of life by natural things. They don't, people don't build, people don't know how to sharpen a chainsaw, they don't, they don't know how to garden. They don't even know maybe where the food comes from. So there is a change in the, in, the, in the way humans are being shaped or formed at this time. And we're lucky enough, I think, to be alive to see that transition between the people here in this mountain where I live, where one generation ago, no electricity, well, okay, no electricity is a bit of exaggeration. They had lights in the town. No plumbing, no water in the house, very little heat, and they lived off the land just one generation ago. So those people that, that grew up in, in that game, in that circumstance, are super strong and hardened in a way that I admire and, and find romantically interesting. Whereas there is a... So that... But their kids... And their grandkids, whoa, there's a different story, right? Because they grew up in a, in a city 
and were toughened up by other circumstances that maybe their grandparents don't have, you know, their parents or grandparents have no clue about, whether it be a computer, for example, or a cell phone. So there's a transition going on, and I think it's worthwhile uh, to mention that when I speak with this, this topic with our good friend, Uncle Claude, he likes to point to a book called Lost Connections and encourages me to read it, which I haven't yet, um, because I've been lucky enough to be brought up in a city, and now I'm being brought up in a, in a, in a rural mountainous area where I where I'm learning and being being altered by as Jim would say these archetypal problems of water gardens firewood chainsaws building what do you think does that spin it back around to the beginning yeah <laughs> yeah well it's yeah it's I mean total different landscape total different landscape i can't even i can't even see it the differences in a lot of ways it's just it's bizarre to me now i used to be able to see the differences now it's just bizarre because things happen so fast things are happening because of the virus because of the uh, you know climate change because of you know just stupid just, uh, you know, plenty of stupid going on around, right? And, I mean, kids in the city are protected more than having to face things in most cases, unless, you know, they're ghetto kids where they're destroyed. But a lot of kids are more and more protected, more and more protected, more and more protected. And it's sensible in a way because it's dangerous. It's a dangerous world. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because there's a the mayor, my neighbor, the mayor of the, the area, grew up here and he tells stories about when he was 10 there was a a tractor because there's an abandoned village maybe 45 minute walk from here through the mountains there's a an abandoned village that was vital that had people in it up until the early 2000s it was just like one or two women still living there but in any case it was nearly abandoned at that point and when he was 10 he and his buddies would walk to the village because they had just the run of the mountains. Even at 10, they were just running all over the mountains all day. And he said he, there was a, an old tractor that was abandoned there and they, they figured out the keys. I don't know what it was, but they figured out how to, to, to get it to run. So here's these 10-year-old kids in this abandoned trailer with this like old tractor. And he said, we could have died. But that was the freedom and the way, that's how his environment at that time. And I watch him with his daughter and he's the most protective, like he, she, he runs around her, like put a protective bubble. It's so interesting to watch a guy who grew up with the ultimate freedoms from my perspective of running a mountain, no oversight, be home for dinner, see you then, and just got into loads of trouble. Just whatever trouble you can find at ten in the mountains, in the mountains, and then when he when he has his daughter, he becomes this like you know helicopter, you know, and 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 puts a protective bubble around her. And I find it fascinating what, how that what happened in him to make the to to have that change. Is he overprotective? Oh my gosh! So she's got this mountain right to to run around, and you know, and he's like. 
don't pick up the cat, you know, don't do, you know, just, just hysterical with fear. Mm -hmm. Huh? Huh? But it happens, you know. Well, three-year-olds are dangerous for sure. Too, well, right? yeah, I mean, I understand she's three, but it, it's just Elaine and I talk about it. We watch it and say, okay, you know, watching how other people raise their kids, you know, and, and the choices they make, you know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we're all a result of that. Some choices our parents and, made. Yeah, and Elena tells the Elena tells the same story when she would come to these mountains as a child every summer as people do here in this in this area she would mm -hmm. come for a week or a month in the summer and she just loved it because there all the kids that came it's like a summer it's like a campground mm -hmm. would just run the mountains mm -hmm. nobody was around nobody they just mm -hmm. took off and ran and did whatever little you know kids do at 10 or 11 12 or 4 or 7 or whatever in a mountain for the summer and and now that that's just unheard of you know you wouldn't for whatever reason the kids aren't turned loose in the mountains to go explore and make a fort or you know ride their bike as far as they can you know yeah. uh, it, it's just interesting what what has changed in us to move from like oh yeah it's all gonna be fine you know to like oh my god you're gonna get hurt How, what, what happened well, maybe it's the the media because they the number of people who or the number of kids who are just out and bowed in the mountains they don't write about them they write about the ones who met horrible accidents yeah <laughs> because yeah. that's news so when you if you take it in terms of statistics the you know, that's what you hear. I heard on the TV, somebody stole some, kidnapped some kids from the, from the school. This is what happens in the cities. You know, some guy came, came in a van and said, hey, do you want some candy? And tried to make off with this girl. And, you know, so it sort of colors the, the, the landscape. The perceptions, yeah. Yeah, and, and um, because that's all you've heard. Don't hear about the other five hundred kids where nothing happened. You just hear about the one kid. But like when fell I was in the, the creek and drowned. <laughs> when I was a kid in Edmonton, I go to the Y in the summer. I mean, downtown by bus. When I was, I'm pretty sure I was about eight or seven. Oh, maybe not seven, but eight. And a lot of people did. A lot of kids did. Now, and it, and it's not safe now. Yeah, yeah. Do it. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's an illusion. You know, it's not a safe world out there uh, in downtown all around on a bus. Not safe for me. <laughs> but see, I think Jaswan's prosing the question is like, your reality is, isn't necessarily true. Your perceptions, they're your perceptions. But you don't really know how much of those fears that you have have been implanted in you. Yeah. I, I lived in the ghetto for 10 years or I lived in the ghetto almost my entire life in Chicago my adult life in Chicago and it was like oh my god those brown and black gangsters are going to kill you never never it's all a lie 
It was a lie. For my life, I was never robbed, never threatened. Nobody, nobody ever did anything other than like sit on my porch when I didn't want them to. I did not experience what many people would experience. I didn't. That didn't happen to me. And I spent most of my adult life living among poor, at-risk people who were in gangs. Not, nothing happened. It's not my experience. I don't have those fears. I don't fear my fellow man. Really? No. Oh, I do. <laughs> I do. I don't trust them. Maybe that's what I'll say. I don't trust my fellow man. You know, not at all, really. I mean, you know, I, I've... You know, and it, it gets down to different people and that kind of thing. But generally, in this world now, I, I would I would not trust people with my existence. You know, I don't think it's safe. I don't think we're a safe bunch, especially now with the virus thing going on. Everybody's like 30, 40% not, nuts, afraid, you know. But and, your data is very minor, Jim. You don't hey? really have a lot. You don't have a lot of data, given where yeah. you live. I would. I, yeah, I, I, do. I grew up. I was up north. I've been around the world. No, no I'm I, talking about now. No, but that's data. That's data I had getting going around the world, being up north, being in real dangerous situations. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I can smell danger. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can smell smell it when it's starting to go, and 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 I I know that it can go. I don't think it's it's a nice you know it can go easy, anytime, anywhere, you know. And yeah. it used to be safe. This used to be extremely safe place, yeah. not so much. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I I, I totally agree there. Um, there are there are bad folks. There are good folks. That, I mean, um, I mean, uh, I remember when my uh, Mum, when she was alive, she wandered out of the front door and she was lost. I was playing a video game and I didn't catch it. And, and she was gone and I looked at the security camera. Okay, she went that way or I got into my car and I drove there and I drove there. And I drove around, I drove around. And I mean, we have cell phones. So then I thought, I'm going to have to call the call 911 and I mean, any, anything could have happened, right? And uh, we, we, I talked with the operator for a little while, and they said, well, we, we do have somebody picked up matching that, the description. And she just happened to, to pick the right person to, because uh, she had uh, dementia, so she just wandered out and said, can you tell me where my village is? Because... You know, she thought she was in India, right? She wanted to go back. And, and she picked a, a Sikh gal, East Indian gal. And the gal didn't know where she was from or which house she'd come out of. She just met her on the street. She just took her home. And uh, and then uh, her dad or brother, whoever it was, called 911 and told them story. And, and she, she got she got picked up. But you, you don't hear those stories. You only hear the stories of people with dementia who wandered off and never got found again because 
those are the people there. Nobody cared. Yeah. 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 I mean, who, who knows what happened? So I, I, I think there is a, a, you know, a misperception of, uh, and and I would I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I would yeah. argue. I mean, I would argue, you know, that there's no stats or anything specifically on it, but 30% of people are, have always been crazy murderers. <laughs> people, who knows? And, and you know, it's, it's like the... Um, you see all these YouTube videos of people uh, dropping wallets and dropping cell phones. Yes. They're testing to see how many people will keep the wallet and, and run off and how many people will uh, will say, hey, buddy, you dropped this wallet. So I, I, I really don't know what the what the proper stats are. But I, I, I do know that in terms of news stories and stuff like that, those aren't the stories that come in. So it's very lopsided. It's always the warning and the scary and yeah. the... Fear uh, sells. No, you're absolutely right. And, and, and the thing that I, you know, me, Jazz, I'll go and talk to anybody, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I'm, not yeah. a, I'm not necessarily afraid of people. I'm, but like I talked to, I went to the ferry landing yesterday, my first swim, swimish thing. I washed off and had a, you know, cold, cold water guy there talking to this guy there. And he, he's from Calgary and he's got a place in Caslow's, had it there for 30 years. He said, Somebody put a knife through his dinghy to his sailboat mm -hmm. and then keyed his car because he's an Albertan. Yeah, he had Alberta license plates. And this is the first racist thing I've heard of in the Kootenays. And it's building. It's building. Albertarians are a race? Well, I'm I'm saying it as a speak, you know, as a race, you know what I mean? They're a thing, right? They're a thing that is hated. Right? They're they're you know, they got Alberta plates, they're hated. Yeah. Alberta they're rich, they're richer and you know, and this kind of stuff. But I've never seen that kind of thing happen here. So what I'm saying is the landscape here is is changing. When because this guy felt really bad, he was a sweetheart, and you know he'd come into Castle for years. So the it's hard to see the scene things changing environmentally, but here because I was so you know cut off, really cut off. Last summer showed me because the traffic on the road, everybody was driving really hard on the road, and it was. You know, intense. The intensity went up. You could tell the intensity went up, right? When the intensity goes up, trouble follows. It does. You know, pressure, pressure on humanoids. You know, well, it's well not so good. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Well, I, I would um, color that with COVID, because I, I know there were people in, in here in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland who had U.S. plates, because when when he who shall not be named was the president, <laughs> the, the disease was running rampant, and people were like, why is somebody from the U.S.? I mean, the border was closed. It's the first time ever 
I think Canada and the U.S. the border has been has been closed, and it's it was um, it used to be called the the longest unprotected border of of of, of the modern world, and um, I, I I'm sure there are parts too where it's still unprotected. You can just walk across. In fact, many people did. So it's a, and so that um, Alberta's numbers were quite high, and people in BC were probably upset that their their um, yeah. you know Alberta yeah. license. I mean, that's there's no excuse for doing what they did, but when when you get that sort of colorization, mm-hmm. and and there again, you know, the the media doesn't help. It's it's um, but it's. Um, what what are you going to report on? You're going to report on nobody what wants to yeah, hear the good stories. <laughs> the same yeah. thing happened here. Very good, yeah. Jasmine. The way you see it, because we had some people escape from Madrid to to do the quarantine oh, here, yeah. and and we talked to them about it. Like, why why did you come here? So and the, we didn't key their car. <laughs> All right, the, there is a line there. What Jim's talking about is a real line that was crossed. Yeah. But we we felt we felt they shouldn't be here, mm-hmm. you know. There was a there was a uh, we felt that they put their lives, our lives in danger, leaving a hot spot to come here to run to beat the quarantine law. Mm-hmm. They were so smart they beat it by a day, so they outsmarted the system but didn't think about others. Yeah. Is how we saw it. I mean, they don't see it that way. It caused a kerfuffle, of course.